Today's episode of Pot on the Hill is brought to you by Morris Blackburn Lawyers, Australia's leading social justice law firm, championing the rights of everyday Australians since 1919. To find out more, visit morrisblackburn.com.au. Remember that Pot on the Hill is available every week on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher or your favourite podcast app. And if you have any questions to ask of Conrad, Claire or myself, suggestions or inquiries, email us at podcast at vic.alp.org.au. Little song about a man called Guff and a little boy who wanted to be tied with the same brush. He learned Latin, held his head up high, and he hated the liberals, though he didn't know why. Uh, today I am joined by Julie Kuhn, um, who is the CEO of WIRE. Um, we'll talk in a moment about WIRE and what that is, but first I'd like to offer a trigger warning. We'll be discussing family violence today, the work of WIRE and the effects of family violence. We may mention difficult topics um, if you have been affected by family violence, but we won't be speaking about any specific case or individual's details. We will provide the contact details for WIRE and advice on how to receive help if you are uh, experiencing or someone you know is experiencing family violence. Um, Julie Kuhn, thank you for taking time to join with us today. An absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, now tell us, um, start, by, start by talking about WIRE, um, the Women's Information and Referral Exchange, of which you are CEO. Um, what's WIRE's history and what is the role that you guys perform? We've been around since 1984 and in part that's due to, or in big part, that's due to John Kane and Joan mm-hmm. Kerner, who are people that listening today would most likely know <laughs> yeah, or have heard about. Um, and we were set up to be a telephone support line for for women experiencing any issue. And back then, there wasn't many family violence services at all, mm. so nearly everything that we dealt with was family violence related. Mm-hmm. But we've grown since then, and we're still a telephone support line, and that's for all Victorian women, but also people that are gender diverse and gender non-binary. But we also now, because it's 2019, we have online support, Um, And we also have a walk-in centre and we're running a whole host of different programs such as job coaching and legal clinics. We also are running prevention programs, family violence prevention programs and a lot of work around financial capability. And we've got a great website so if people can go to that Mm -hmm. and they'll be able to see the fantastic programs that we run and that's on www.wire.org.au and I'm really proud of WIRE and we just seem to be growing in all the right directions mm-hmm. and, and doing lots of fantastic things. Great. And so tell us about how WIRE has changed since those beginnings in 1984. Yeah, well, as I said, we're now not just women, um, but we're also supporting people that are gender diverse and gender non-binary. But also, as I said in the beginning, nearly everything we dealt with was family violence related. We're now finding that about 40% of our calls are family violence related. We're dealing a lot with um, marriage breakdown where there is no family violence, Mm -hmm. a lot to do with mental health and a lot to do with homelessness. And what we we often find is that we're in a service delivery system that is really complex. Mm. So we get people that come to us and just say I don't know how to navigate this system be it family violence or homelessness but or what we often experience is that people are having family violence plus homelessness issues plus financial hardship issues plus they're needing legal advice regarding the family violence they're experiencing so it, we want to, we've become this one-stop shop where people can get information support and referral 
So tell us a little bit about, before, before we go on and, and speak about some of the complex family violence um, uh, environment that has emerged in the last few mm. years, um, in, what brought the WIRE service uh, to its inaugural setup in 1984? What was behind that that move by um, Kane and Kerner to, to put something like that together? No services for women. Mm-hmm. That there were women were very isolated. We go back to 1984. Mm, I was in high school. Mm. Um, no internet that I can remember. Mm. You had the telephone. Um, it was no no mobile phones. Mm. No no Facebook. People were really isolated. And if they needed women needed support, they could. It was difficult. They often didn't have access to a car. Mm. Um, so having a telephone number that people could ring up, they wouldn't have to. We, we wanted very much to create a phone line that you weren't stigmatised by calling. Mm-hmm. So it, it was just women wanting to speak to speak to another woman back mm. then. And, of course, what came through was family violence. What came through was total isolation. Mm. And so we, we were there for that and to refer people on to whatever services are there. But so often... Um, the people we speak to says it just feels good to talk to someone, mm. to share my load with someone and to talk through my options. Often what people get to is what I thought I should do is what I'm going to do. Mm. And I know that because I've talked through that with someone. Yeah, right. Um, and with uh, technology having changed so much mm. since... Um, since 1984, um, what does Wire, what, what, what sort of, what have you, I suppose, found your organisation can do now with uh, improved technology mm. um, and more of that accessibility to help people access those services? Well, we've now got a website, and that website has a whole lot of information on it. So you could grab that information at three o'clock in the morning or three mm. o'clock in the afternoon, and um, we've tried to make it a website that is really accessible. Actually, we just launched it on International Women's Day this Mm. year, so we're really excited by it. Um, But online support, what we are finding, especially um, younger women, is that they're really comfortable not actually hearing a voice or not actually seeing a person, Mm. but just typing um, Mm. and having a a real-time conversation with someone. But some people really like that because they're they're really tentative about having the conversation and it might feel easier just to leave the conversation if you haven't actually spoken to someone Mm. so we're really aware of that as well Mm. and emails um, you know sometimes someone's it's two o'clock in the morning and they say I just want to know the answer and I'm not going to have time tomorrow or I may not have the courage tomorrow Mm. I'm just going to type it out now Mm. send it off and knowing that we'll, within two working days we'll respond and if, if it's urgent, usually well before that and, mm. and give you your answer or, um, you know, start you on your journey. And that, um, that I, I noticed because I, I was looking at your website today that mm. you've got um, a, a way to do it so that it's anonymous mm. and, and that you can escape it immediately. Yes. Um, but still be on a browser. So it, it's obviously in in tune with the potential needs of potentially a a victim nearly nearly all women's services have that now Mm. and and you should look for that and that escape button um it's usually on the top right or left hand corner Mm. 
people should be aware that that does not get rid of your browser history. Mm -hmm. So if you um, are scared that there is someone that is looking at your browser history, Mm -hmm. you would need to go in and and delete that as well. All Mm -hmm. it does is get you out incredibly quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just something to be mindful of. Yeah, that's a great tip. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the barriers that are in Mm -hmm. place um, that, that don't allow people to seek assistance for family violence if they're experiencing something like that because they're complex barriers Mm. uh, and we tend to simplify or uh, not we but there have been simplifications of those of those barriers over over many decades Mm. um the you know sort of just just leave then is kind of one of those one of those uh, blunt instruments that Mm. people use what are those barriers that that wire sees uh, for people who are in situations like yeah. that. Look, there's many barriers, but I just want to take it back a step and say, what is family violence? Mm. Um, it does vary a little bit between state to state, but basically it is um, physical violence. It's um, sexual violence. So um, there is rape within marriage, which has been around only for about 30 years, mm. which I think is amazing. Mm-mm. I would have thought it would have been in a lot longer than that. Mm. Um But it's also things such as financial abuse, not having access to family income, not knowing what is the family income. It also includes things such as emotional and verbal abuse as well and spiritual abuse, so not allowing someone to practice their religion. And all those things, and it it couldn't, and I should just add, it may not just be a partner, it could be a sibling, um, it could be another family member or someone that you're in a familial type relationship with, such as if you're sharing or renting a place together but you're not having a sexual relationship. Mm. Um, So all that is family violence. And often people just think about the physical, so they go, if you've been hit by that person, why don't you just leave, Mm. as you said yourself. But it's more than that. Often the perpetrator has several times a day has told that person, you're worthless, you're nothing, you can't survive without me. They'll often even say that the rigid systems they make them make their um, partner perform in is for their own good. Mm. So when your self-esteem has really been beaten down, to take that step to leave is incredibly difficult. Mm. You put that in a system whereby, you know, Centrelink payments, they're not great. Mm. How do you, how am I, if I leave and I don't have a job, how am I going to survive? Mm. So where am I going to live? Um, Is the violence going to escalate? And that's the other thing is that we know that when a woman is most in danger is at the time of leaving or after they've just left. Mm. So it's a real time that women need to consider and plan what they're going to do. And hundreds, if not thousands of women leave family violence related um, relationships every week. Mm. So people are leaving. We know sometimes that they come back and that could be for economic reasons. It could be because of what the perpetrator is telling them. I really, really love you. This time it's going to be different. All those sort of messages, or again, you can't survive without me. Mm. All those things make women feel like I've, I've got to take this guilt Mm. I've got to take this person back. That They may be saying, I'll kill myself mm. if you leave. Those sort of things bring, bring the women back. The other thing that people don't consider is that they may love the person who is hurting them. Mm. So often what we hear women say is not, I want to leave, but I want the violence to stop. 
they really want the person maybe that they first married or, or fell in love with they just don't want the violence to be there so there's this hope that maybe that will go mm. and being able to leave your primary place of residence it's a bit of a luxury most most people can't just pick up their sticks and go somewhere else and live in another home at the drop of a hat I mean it's it's your home you've probably mm. spent a fair bit of time money you might have pets yep. you might have children um, yep. you know there's there's all of those considerations it's as you uh, it, it is a, a, a yeah. really um, I think interesting way of saying it. it's not about leaving the situation and saying now I'm I'm free mm. maybe the freedom comes from the situation changing yes yeah yeah um, which it may never do mm. um, and there's an emotional attachment to that home as well mm. And, and that's why one of the things that's changed over the last few years, it always used to be the woman had to flee. Mm. And now there's far more resources going into, can we make the existing house safe enough mm. or the apartment safe enough so that the the woman and the, the children can stay, but the perpetrator has to leave, which makes the perpetrator more accountable mm. for what they've done. If you think about it, you know, the perpetrator stays in the home with the television, all those sort of things, and the woman needs to go. So I'm really, really in, find it a great innovation mm. that now we're going, look, can we put CCTV cameras there? Can we change the lock? How can we make sure that this person has the safety that they need mm. to remain in the family home? Mm. Um, now, what do you see as being... And this is a difficult question mm. because it's obviously complex. Uh, what do you see as being the underlying causes of family violence? Um, are we even at a point of being able to tackle causes or are we still reeling from, from really uh, dealing with uh, the effects of yep. family violence? You have to tackle the cause. We need to um, tackle the impacts, of course, mm. but... It, 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 it's a bit like, you know, that, that old story of, you know, do you keep on catching the bodies as they are thrown off the cliff or do you get up and, and stop the person throwing people off the cliff? Mm. You've got to have someone down there picking up the people that have been thrown off the cliff, but you've got to send someone up to the top of the cliff and say, get that crazy man or crazy <laughs> person off, stop, yeah, yeah. off there. And that really what must happen. Mm. And um, we are now seeing that more money is being put into prevention Mm -hmm. but not nearly enough. If you look at campaigns that have been very successful in the prevention front, such as the quit smoking uh, and some of the obesity um, uh, obesity campaigns and especially some of the buckle-up campaigns for, mm. for driving, about 10% of the money that um, is spent on prevention and the rest is spent on the response side of things. Mm. What we find in family violence, it's about 2-3%. Mm. It's a bit higher in Victoria, where I think we're up around the four or five percent. I hope I haven't got Minister Williams. I hope I haven't got that <laughs> wrong. I think that's about right, <laughs> um, but it should be yep. at least at ten and optimally at fifteen. Yeah. And what am I talking about when I'm talking about prevention? I'm talking about gender equity. Mm. In, is family violence is always about power and control. It is about a person dominating another by saying, I have that entitlement. Mm. Now, for most cases of family violence, but not all, that entitlement is around gender. 
I'm entitled to do this because I am a man. Mm. Um, it may be because you can have family violence and same-sex relationships and all those sort of things as well. It may be around I'm entitled to do this because I'm older than you or I have English as a first language and you're a migrant and all those sort of things. And you can get a layering of things of I'm entitled to do this because I'm a man and you're a migrant and you're mm. of colour. And so it can become quite complex. Um but what we really need to be discussing is about respect mm. and about equity. So every time we do something about gender equity, whether it's about having 50% representation on boards, whether it be about quotas for MPs, we are really tackling family violence as well because we are talking about equality and we're talking about respecting women. Mm. Now, uh, the, the listeners that... Uh, tune into this show are probably not the types that will say what about the men Mm. Um, and you and I discussed off air whether we were going to confront this question but um, I've sort of had a second thought about it (laughs) why is this uh, well we know that the argument comes up it's a it's not just against women it's Mm. about men too and and usually that's that's just an irritant that someone puts out there not because they've actually experienced violence as a man from a woman Mm. but um, why do we well, what sort of figures, I suppose, do you see um, about how much this is a gendered issue? I think that nearly all violence where there is death or there is serious injury it is usually a man perpetrating... That is, a man perpetrating it on, on a woman. Mm-hmm. It is only about 5%, 5% too much, but 5% of family violence which it is um, a woman committing that violence on, on, on a man. Mm-hmm. Always will say 5% too much. Yeah. And I think sometimes people say, what about the men? Because they want to be inclusive. Mm. Um, so it's not really that they want to... They're thinking it's totally okay what's happening with the women. Mm. But it, it adds as a distraction. It adds. It moves away from the fact that violence is caused because women are considered less than mm. that they are considered that their decision making is not valued their uh, opinion is not valued their contribution to the household is not valued they as people are not valued and if you're in a relationship and there is violence be it financial abuse be it um, physical violence or sexual violence that has to be going on mm. and those messages come through in all parts of, of our society we, we see it all the time those sort of things are, are not respectful mm. um, and we've got to tackle that mm. because that's all these ways of putting women down mm. the fact that it's so much harder for women to get in positions of power why is that it's because there are so many people that don't think women are worthy of positions of power mm. and if they don't think they're worthy of positions of power be it in politics or in um, the corporate sphere, they don't think they're worthy of power in the in the household. Mm. Now, let's talk a little bit about this historical position mm. of family violence, because it is sort of in our collective psyche, because um, it still uh, it still occupies this place of lesser prominence, mm. um, and and that has been challenged in the last few years, um, where we've tried to put family violence on the the same level of other criminal behaviours but Mm. there's still this tension about intimate partner and former intimate partner violence as being something that is is less dangerous less out there less less um uh, able to be identified as criminal behaviour 
we're still afraid of being beaten up by someone on the street, not mm. by someone in the house. Why has it occupied this place of lesser prominence? Yeah. I mean, the most dangerous place for a woman to be is in their own home with someone who's meant to love them. Mm. I mean, that that is the truth. Mm. Um, and I think we have always grown up for generations with this theory of what happens behind closed doors is behind closed doors and that relationships are a private matter Mm. and so if there is violence then that's a private matter Mm. and that philosophy that ideology has served perpetrators so well Mm. it's got nothing and and then they'll say it's got nothing to do with you it's about me and my my missus you know Mm. you've got no place in here and we can feel bad because we're stepping on this ground which is considered a private area and that's probably what why i was very like in mm, its first days yes. we've been dealing with that in a very upfront way wouldn't it M- most definitely mm. most definitely and, and and you go back I, even um you know just five ten years and and police not wanting to intervene in family violence because they used to say things well the the, the women never push charges mm. and they you know they recant and it's a private matter anyway Mm-mm. so the police didn't want to be there and one of the great in, things that we've seen in victoria and i think in other states but a bit less so is police saying this is our jurisdiction mm. it is not a private matter mm. if you are committing acts of violence mm. it is definitely a public matter you when you break the law that is a public matter and i think that's one of the things that we're seeing changing is that family violence is against the law and when you break the law the state has something to do with that whether it be the police coming in, whether it's been going through the judicial system, mm. whether it's about supporting the victim survivors or if it's about working with the perpetrators. Morris Blackburn Lawyers, Australia's leading social justice law firm, have been fighting for your rights for nearly 100 years because they believe that fairness is a universal right, not just reserved for the chosen few. They know if one person is denied the right to be safe, to be free, to be heard or to be equal, then everyone else's rights are at risk too. And that includes you. So whether it's returning stolen land, protecting new mums at work, or demanding equality, Morris Blackburn lawyers help shine a light on everyday injustices. Because who knows when your rights might be affected? Morris Blackburn lawyers fighting for fair since 1919. To find out more, visit morrisblackburn.com.au. Now, we spoke a little bit about the Royal Commission mm. um, before we began recording, but it's, it's um, as you um, let me know, very complex because mm. there's such a lot of, of um, material to come out of the Royal Commission. Mm. But uh, I suppose the best place to start is what did the Royal Commission do to raise awareness and break that reluctance mm. that the community had to confront the issues? And, and have we got to a place now where an, an institution like the Royal Commission can help us uh, speak more effectively yeah. and, and clearly and 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 demonstrate change in this mm. in this area the the family violence royal commission in victoria was such a pivotal point it it, it was um created massive change it brought all the knowledge into one place and and into some documents that weighed 4.1 kilos at the end. It was of 4.1 kilos of information. And never before had we said, this is why we do what we do and this is why we want these changes. And there it was all documented. Mm. 
just having that in the one spot all that wisdom in one place was fantastic the other thing that the royal commission did and said we need to continue to do is speak to victim survivors it's saying this can't just be the domain of so-called experts such as myself it was move over julie kun yeah. let the victim survivors speak here as well because their knowledge of the system their expertise is really really important yeah. and so it brought in all that the other thing that it brought in was a whole range of recommendations that that cut across so many areas cut across financial capability housing policing the judiciary um, and it made government work together within its departments I, I think if anyone has had any dealings with um, with government and how it operates um, departments can become quite siloed mm. and one of the things that I've seen that's been really beneficial that in order to carry out the recommendations they've had to work together now sometimes they haven't worked together with absolute love mm -hmm. all the time but I've been able, I have witnessed some of those barriers coming down of saying yep yeah, we we can only do this by working together. Mm. Now, the other thing that there are so many recommendations, I can't remember exactly how many, I it's think 126, I think. So a lot. Yeah. Um, that we've had to do an awful lot in a short amount of time. Mm. And uh, it's also caused a huge investment. Mm. So one of the things I would say is that when you are doing so much so quickly, not everything will land perfectly at the first time. Mm. But I'm really hoping as we go through this process, we can say, oh, that didn't land exactly where we needed it to land. Let's let's see if we can change it a little bit so mm. it can land Better properly the never. next time. Better late <laughs> than never. Start, start now and work it out. Yeah, that's right. Yep. That's right. Now, are there things that we can do to help yeah. um, as, as a community? And mm. the things that we do... and again like we had this conversation uh, just before off air where I was admitting that in my efforts to help friends of mine who have experienced family violence I probably wasn't that helpful even mm. if I was trying even, even if it was coming from a good place I was probably being um, you know pushy or or dictatorial or didn't have really an understanding of where they were coming from mm. um, do we make family violence better by trying to break the taboos um and, and are we even talking about family violence victims in the right way? Yeah, yeah. At, at why we use the word victim survivor. And I often get asked, why do you do that? Do you do that because some people are victims and some people are survivors? And, and that's not the reason. We do it because we victim survivors have a dual script. They are resilient and strong. They are survivors. Even when that violence is still ongoing they are surviving that every day and they're using their wits their smarts their physicality to do that they're also vulnerable and in a very precarious place and they are victims of something that should they should not be victims of that is being imposed upon them from a perpetrator so there's this duality of victim and um, survivor going on and we need to recognize both and i think we are now and that's Another thing that came out of the Family Violence Royal Commission was that understanding that there are both going on simultaneously and, and as um, we as people need to recognise that. So that is really important when we're looking at how do we support people that are experiencing family violence. 
the first thing that comes to to mind is I want this to stop. This is my friend. This is my colleague. This is my family member Mm. and just put solutions in place. But what I really want people to consider, if a person's been experiencing family violence, they've had their power and control taken away. Their ability to make even small decisions may have been taken away from them. So even when it comes from a good place, the fact that you are saying, I will do it all, do this, do this, you can't do that, that's the wrong thing to do. Mm. You are giving more of the same. Even though it comes from a good place in the Mm. heart, it's more of the same. So the things that we tell people, because we get a lot of people that call us and say, my sister's experiencing this, my best friend is, my colleague is, the things that we say is listen. Listen and believe. Mm. Be a sounding board. Mm. If they say, can you help me get information, help them get information Mm. they need support every decision they make may not be the right one or it may be the right one but just not the right one in your eyes but saying whatever decision you make whether you stay whether you go I will be here to support you let them know that there is no shame let them know that they are valued let them know that you're they are a person that you respect and you respect their decision making um when you when i when i talk about um uh people who are ashamed mm. um and you find out later this happened to a friend of mine which mm. is why i'm not doing this interview that well at the moment <laughs> but um i didn't know that she was experiencing anything because she didn't tell anybody mm. and it was only after her death that it was found out mm. um when how can we how can we confront mm. the the shame taboo yeah. which just shouldn't exist mm. but mm. it does and, yeah. and how how do you confront that as a community as an organisation as a government how do you how do you say there is no shame in this yeah. shame is a very difficult thing to yeah. combat anyway mm. because mm. it's almost a natural reaction yeah. to one's circumstances mm. um, what do we do to ensure that shame is mm. something that people feel lesser. One of the things that perpetrators are fantastic at is they don't take responsibility for their behaviour. What they tell the perp- what they tell the victim is, this is happening to you because you've made me do it, mm. because of your incompetence, because you were late coming home, because the house wasn't tidy enough, because you don't earn enough. It's all your fault. Mm. So again, that really builds up the shame that that person is feeling. Mm. Also because people, there's shame around uh, this partnership isn't working mm. especially if that everyone think, thinks the partner is a great person mm. so how can you challenge that is by talking about family violence and and even and having it represented in our media in a way that does not put any shame on on the victim puts it on the perpetrator the perpetrator shouldn't do that the perpetrator needs to be accountable mm it's being available to listen and they may decide never to come to come forward like like your friend did that that just may be the case but i think one of the things and you asked before about what is one of the positives of the family violence royal commission is that more people are going to the police and saying this is happening the number of reports are going up and up mm. now that doesn't mean there's more family violence happening mm. it means that there are more people that are experiencing family violence reporting it and whilst that's a terrible thing Mm. that also means they have hope Mm. 
it means that something has changed that they said there is value in reporting this mm. that something may shift mm. and that shift may be that I get services that will get me out of this situation or that um, it means I'm going to get understanding from my friends. Things such as the family violence leave in workplaces, these are all things that promote people coming forward and saying this is what's happening. Mm. So if, if you've got a friend or, or even if you, a friend that you suspect is experiencing family violence, it is about having those conversations and saying how strong those people are and, and that making, letting them know that you would be available for that and that you would withhold judgment. Mm. That's one of the things that, that you can do. The other thing you can do is um, ask. Mm. People often find it hard to to ask the question. And you need to ask in a way that's not judgmental and it's not forcing them into a position. You, you could say, hey, look, it looks like your relationship is it's pretty tense between you at the moment. Mm. Um, you know, if there's anything that ever is um, happening... You can always talk to me and it doesn't matter what it is mm. you know you're, you're my friend I'm here to support you whatever you decide to do mm. that may be enough mm. and and repeating that message if they say I don't want to talk about it do not talk to me about this again you need to listen to that as well mm -hmm. yeah. um, now family violence leave you mentioned just before mm. um, there's also been an announcement um, for extra funding for uh, victim survivors mm. uh, announced by Bill Shorten mm. in this election. What does that extra leave do for, for victim survivors and what does that extra funding do to, yeah. to help? Um, 10 days, I think it is, mm. put in, to be put into the National Employment Standards. Mm. First of all, it puts it into... Um, everyone's entitlements so it's something that people will hopefully know about i'm hoping that means that workplaces will say this is your entitlement and that gets people go if it's an entitlement i must be worthy mm, i think really that's point. one of the things i must be this i must be worthy of something else than what i'm experiencing mm. so i think that's one thing the mm. other thing is it gives people time to do th stuff there is so much going on when there's family violence. There may be, if you're leaving, it may be talking to the kids' schools. It may be mm. putting locks in, on the house. If you're staying in the house, locks, CCTV. Mm. There it can be a whole plethora of legal things. You might be going through the family court. You might be going through the magistrate's court. You might even be going through the children's court. All that takes time. You might be seeing a family violence um, outreach worker. Your children might be seeing a family violence outreach worker and psychologists and those sort of things. There is just so many people that get are involved when there's family violence going on mm. that they need time to make, to make those appointments. They need time to even you know, like set up a new house or to set up the mm. old house, but in a way that it's safe. Mm. All that, those 10 days are, are just so important. I guess, it, and to follow on from your point about about signalling worthiness to mm. somebody, um, it also signals that that this is something that shouldn't be happening. Yes. Uh, that yep. that if you need leave from work to deal with something like this, then mm. it is definitely not to be coped with. Yes, that that's right. And I always used to, because um, I used to work at the Australian Services Union, so one of my jobs was to go and talk to employers about bringing in the family mm. violence leave. And sometimes what they would say is we shouldn't have to do it because we're not responsible for the violence. 
And I'd always say, but you're not responsible for sickness. And, you, and I hope you're not telling me you're responsible for every pregnancy in, in this organisation. <laughs> but what we are saying is that you shouldn't be sick. Mm. You should take care of yourself. Mm. And if you're, if you're pregnant and going to have a child, you should have time to look after that child. Mm. And what we're saying, you shouldn't be experiencing family violence. Mm. And if you are... We need to support you in that. It is a, such a strong, strong message. Mm. And you also asked about the other things that the um, commitments that Bill Shorten um, said a few days ago, things such as more mo um, money for refuge. On any given day, more people will be told we don't have suitable accommodation for you that are wanting to leave a family violence situation than will, than will receive mm. accommodation. Mm. So having nowhere to go is a big inhibitor mm. to leaving. Mm. So that's that's one thing mm. that they've said that they will do. So there, there needs to be a lot more on-the-ground resourcing of family violence. I think it's $660 million, mm. and we need structural change as well. So, you know, um, Wire Today has put out a Facebook post saying we want, you know, every political party to match this. Just for some of the um, the people listening today I, I, I put a trigger warning at the start not realizing mm. that I myself would be uh, <laughs> triggered in some small way um, but if um, if someone is experiencing family violence or has uh, a, a loved one or mm. um, you know family friend or anybody that they know is experiencing what should they do yeah um, you can ring up a family violence crisis line so nationally it's 1800 respect or you can ring up WIRE and we're 1300 134 130. We're not a crisis service. We're open 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. Mm -hmm. um, but 1800RESPECT is a is, crisis. It's 24-7, yeah. One of the things that people need to know is people think if they're going to ring up a family violence service that that family violence service has said, you've got to leave. We're not going to assist you unless you leave. Nothing is further from the truth. Mm -hmm. They will talk to you about and why will talk to you about what is happening mm. they will tell you what your options are work through them you can say this is what I want to happen mm. we work out what is possible and give you your options that is it we'll also do a safety plan so if you, a person decides to stay and often they do mm. we talk about how can we make that as safe as possible mm. you know is there a neighbor that you can um, keep some money with that you can um, safely go to where can the kids go mm. are there more than one in exit out of the house mm. so we can go through all those things as well as if they leave doing a, um, a safety plan as well and talk about um, intervention orders and what other services out there to support people experiencing family violence mm. and it's not surprising I suppose that it is complex because mm. someone is making an enormous decision mm. um and possibly after years of mm. of um, making little decisions and making now yep. a big one um but there, there is so much expert advice that someone can receive mm. um you know in that that conversation um or you know going online to, to your website mm. um because there's the, to navigate just the the full suite of resources that could be available or or you know what those what those um, you know dangers are ahead mm. um, there must be just so much complexity look there is um, but the first it, but let's make it simple make mm. a phone call do an email go online 
don't make it more complex than it is. I mean, one of the things we often hear people tell us is we didn't know there was so much out there. Mm. So one step at a time, if you're wanting to talk about the family violence you're experiencing, just get on the phone and have a chat Mm. and just see where that goes. The service delivery system is navigatable. Mm. Uh, it could be, you know, you ring up a crisis line and they'll let you know what services are out there. Um, some, the problem could be that there's not enough, but that there's usually, you know, something, mm. you know, and, and there is support even if it's by phone. But we'll also talk about are there friends and are there other people that you can tap into for support so you're not doing it alone. The other thing we need to take into account is that lots of people leave every day without using the service delivery system. Mm. And that may be a good thing, it may be a bad thing because maybe not everyone needs it. Mm. Um, but there's also that, that as well. It might be, here's a, a telephone conversation where someone tells you that you're worthy. Mm. Someone tells you what services are out there and, and that's what you need to to go forward. Others may need everything else they may need refuge they may need um, a whole lot of services for years and years to come Mm. Um, Julie thank you so much for joining with us today and and giving us all your uh, you know very um, full (laughs) expertise Um, could you just say those phone numbers for us again and your website yes so the 24-7 family violence crisis line is 1800 RESPECT you can also call WIRE if you're in Victoria. We're open 9 to 5 Monday to Friday, 1300 134 130. And you can go to our website, which is www.wire.org.au. Please be advised that this song contains some explicit lyrics. Said you wouldn't hurt me, but the bruises on my arms have all turned blue. Your lies shot me like a shotgun, made me feel like I am no one. But who are you? If I find another man like you, I gotta run for the hills. I've gotta read each clue. of me, had me on my knees in agony, all for you. I don't know why I didn't leave you when I should have. I don't know how you could be so
Yes.